On a happier note, let's talk about flooded out BC highways getting back up and running. Truckers hitting the blacktop. Once again, the Coquihalla Highway open again for truck traffic. Highway 3 restrictions being lifted too. Let's discuss now with my guest, Rob Fleming, BC's Minister of Transportation. And I'm pleased to welcome him back to the show. Minister, thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Okay, Minister, let's talk about the Coquihalla first of all. Can you give us a status update there? Yeah, it was, it's been operational for just over 24 hours now. And uh, I know that the truck diving industry is extremely happy about that. The transit times for their routes uh, dramatically improved over the number three and, and a much safer highway for everybody involved. And uh, again, um, the reopening yesterday was a sign of jubilation, uh, truckers honking their horns and all the road crews tremendously proud of their efforts. They looked exhausted. Uh, many have been away from their families for weeks at a time, but uh, they got it done, and it's just it's just an amazing gift for Christmas to the entire province. Okay, when you saw that, that highway broken up into pieces after the flooding and the landslides, what was your realistic estimate in your mind about how how long it would take to repair that and get it back up and running again? Surely not this quickly. Well, no, no. We yeah. thought end of January, maybe third week at best, and yeah. we thought it wouldn't be nearly as functional as it is. So some areas that we thought... We could only restore two lanes, one in each direction, or now four lanes. There are some areas that it is one lane in each direction, and there are um, speed limitations there to uh, to match uh, what the conditions are. But, uh, yeah, it's adding about an hour uh, over what it would typically take to um, to drive the Coquihalla. So, you know, when you consider that the number three was adding four or five hours, this is a significant yeah. benefit and really good news for um the supply chain of the country and, and to the interior and north of the province, and also just for people that are uh, carefully traveling over the holidays in passenger vehicles, being able to use the number three and the number 99, that restrictions have been lifted between Pemberton and Lillooet. Okay, I wonder if some of those truckers who had been doing that sort of slow grind along Highway 3 had a little pent-up energy there, because it sounds like some of these guys are just putting the hammer down. Because I'm just taking a look at the Twitter feed from uh, Transportation BC, and it says, please slow down. Tons of reports of commercial vehicles speeding on the Coquihalla. What's the latest on that? Yeah, so there is stepped-up enforcement there with the RCMP, and the truck driving industry wants that enforcement. Um, you know, there's always going to be some drivers that, unfortunately, um, ignore the advice that's given, the, the, the legal limits that are placed there. I think that's a small minority, but it just takes one truck to spin out uh, to shut down um, the Coquihalla or, or the number three, as we've seen in recent weeks. So um, CVSE is also uh, stepping up enforcement. We have chaining restrictions in place, so people need to chain up. Um, there's weather forecasts that are being updated uh, uh, on the hour, and uh, there is uh, snow warnings in, in effect. So people need to be really careful and drive to conditions. That's, that's the message. And uh, uh, RCMP, I think, handed out 116 tickets on the number three before we got the Coquihalla back up and running. You can expect the same kind of rigorous enforcement on the number five. Speaking of Transportation Minister Rob Fleming, how much did it cost to get this highway up and running again? We don't have the full cost right now, but what we did is we had <clears throat> emergency procurement practices. So we used our road maintenance contractors. They hired equipment and crews. There's a number of uh, companies that were working on uh, restoring the Coquihalla. And, you know, when we said we're going to throw the resources that we need to get the number five back up and running, that's 
that's exactly what we did. We were also helped by gaining access to some of the broken sections that were kind of in the middle uh, areas between the broken bridges on the north and south end. Um, we were greatly helped by Trans Mountain Pipeline getting in there to do the work they needed to do to, to do the safety checks on the pipeline. Oh, it's got hundreds of millions of dollars, safe to say? I don't think it's actually going to be that high um, okay. for the temporary fixes. When we get to the full rebuild, certainly you're, you're definitely in the ballpark there. Yeah. And we're working with Transport Canada and Infrastructure Canada on what disaster financial assistance looks like in a new era of building to a climate resilience uh, standard. So they agree with all the principles that we've advanced. Um, they support us moving quickly because they know how important this is to the national supply chain. And, and look, the Prime Minister and his ministers have been very sympathetic and cooperative and collaborative with everybody on the ground here in BC, whether it's farmers in Abbotsfords or, or flooded out evacuees in Merritt and Princeton and places like that, uh, or fixing our highways. They, they, they know that BC has suffered a devastating storm event and we want to recover. Speaking of BC Transportation Minister Rob Fleming, um, what about Highway Okay, Highway 3? The Coquihalla is open only to truck traffic, so it's commercial traffic only, which was the rule on Highway 3, which was yes. effectively the only route we had to get into the interior at one point. So highway, those restrictions have been lifted on Highway 3 now? Like anybody can drive Highway 3 now? Is that right? As, as of about an hour and 15 minutes ago, that's correct, Mike. Yeah. yeah. And okay, we'll I noticed look at an opportunity to do that on the Coquihalla. We just want to see how it stands up to performance. You know, we've had it open a day now. We'll certainly update you in a couple of weeks about whether uh, some of those restrictions might be modified or lifted. Okay, I noticed that the province didn't seem to be beating the drum very loudly about Highway 3 opening up again. Um, is that because... Are you like? Are you putting any advisory out again about people driving that road? Because we've heard. Uh, let me play something for you. This was um, yesterday on the show. The truck driver phoned in on the open line. His name is John, and he described the conditions as he has seen them on Highway Three. And I'll, I'll play what he said to me yesterday and get your thoughts. Have a listen. The ruts and the holes in the road are beyond belief. You have no oh. idea. It's gonna, oh. These are going to eat some of these cars. Oh. Like, it's oh. really, really, really bad. There was a couple of teeth rattlers I had on, on uh, coming back, and I'm sure a lot of the drivers that are going through there will agree. They need to patch that highway before they put cars through there. It's going to be really, really bad. Because John from Lynn Valley, who phoned in in the open line yesterday, Minister, he's a truck driver in the Valley, and he said, he said he's been driving that Highway 3 and it's in rough shape. Is it? Is it that bad? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's been patched and repaired. There's crews out there, and they're going to be there through the holiday season, um, reinforcing the road. And, of course, it gets a geotechnical inspection um, from the ground and from the air. And also the road maintenance contractors there have had their contracts enhanced so that they can salt and brine and de-ice uh, the route uh, much more frequently. And, and we're telling drivers, um, have a good vehicle, have good winter <laughs> tires, and also have um, things in your trunk you know, to prepare for emergencies. If there is an accident, you could be out there uh, in a delay. You want to have food, water, blankets so you can stay warm, that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's not the same as it was for sure, but in terms of keeping it in functioning order and regularly inspecting it, that's exactly the work that people are doing out in all kinds of freezing weather to keep people safe. 
Yeah, okay, so Highway 3, I mean, that's a difficult highway to drive at the best of times. It's a lot of twists and turns and switchbacks and stuff, but even tougher yeah. now, right? So just urging people to be cautious, I guess. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, be cautious, prepare, uh, you know, a generous amount of time for the journey. Don't be too concerned if, uh, you know, your average speed through that uh, corridor is, you know, 40 kilometers or so, because that's that's what the conditions dictate. Yeah. Minister, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, welcome back. Here we go now with new provincial COVID restrictions coming down this afternoon. Officials set to impose new restrictions due to surging COVID cases, and we're seeing this across the country now. Yesterday, we saw an aggressive crackdown in Quebec, shutting down bars, casinos, movie theaters, new limits on customer capacity and operating hours for restaurants too could we see similar restrictions imposed in bc today now this announcement is coming down at 1 30 this afternoon cknw of course will bring you live coverage of that announcement on the jill bennett show then full coverage and analysis of what it means for you your family your business make sure you keep it locked here all day for continuing coverage of this story. Lots of focus today on the restaurant sector in our province. They've already been through hell during this pandemic. Here we go again now with potential new uh, restrictions coming down this afternoon. Let's discuss now with my guest, Mark Von Shelwitz, Vice President for Western Canada at Restaurants Canada. And I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Mark, thanks for coming on today. Good morning, Mike. Always a pleasure. Hey, Mark, here we go again now. Like, uh, how are you feeling today with these? We've, we've seen lots of restrictions announced across the country, and we're getting some here in B.C. this afternoon. What are you expecting? Well, you know, uh, certainly we were very relieved with the announcement on Friday. And, you know, as you know, this is a really busy time of year for us, and we really wanted that certainty to plan for the next two weeks uh, through to New Year's Eve. And so we were somewhat relieved on Friday. And, uh, you know, if... Uh, Three days later, all the rules change again. I mean, what has changed between the safety of fully vaccinated patrons and and, uh, staff in our restaurants? Uh, You know, just a few days ago, we were saying how safe it is. And uh, if they change rules again today, obviously, our members are going to be pretty, pretty upset. And, uh, you know, they're already dealing with all sorts of obstacles, uh, you know, increased food prices, business prices, supply chain obstacles. Even the uh, the proof of vaccination program has reduced guest counts. But, uh, you know, with menu inflation, sales numbers may look up, but guest counts are still down. So uh, if there are new restrictions impacting us today, I would ask, uh, you know, what's changed in the last three days? Okay, can you remind the listeners what was announced on Friday in terms of the new restrictions that were announced then? Yeah, certainly. So on Friday, uh, Dr. Henry announced with respect to restaurants and bars that they can still operate uh, at their full capacity. There's right. no liquor restrictions. However, uh, you know, there's no standing, no mingling, no Christmas parties or, or, or New Year's parties. So, you know, we understood that. And, and that sort of gave us a sort of a working model for the next two weeks uh, to get through, you know, what is the busiest time uh, of the year for, for the restaurant and bar industry in the province. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of fear. There's COVID fatigue as it is out there. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if the rules change again just within a few days, obviously our members are, are not going to be very happy as they've already begun their plans, take reservations, made their food orders and liquor orders based on the announcement on Friday. 
Right. So your concern is that they could potentially announce what new capacity restrictions. So if, if they were to turn around today, for example, and say, okay, you're allowed to continue operating, but you can only have 50% capacity. Is that a, is that a concern for you? Absolutely. I think you have to remember, Mike, that we're still in a very fragile situation. I mean, most restaurants are still struggling. In BC, we've got 60% of our table service restaurants that are still losing money and going into more debt each month. And, uh, you know, if there are these restrictions put in place, I think the government's got to go back to some of those initial uh, COVID lockdown uh, supports because, uh, you know, it, it's really jeopardizing the survival of the industry. And, and we just can't afford this stop, 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 start all the time with, with different restrictions. Yeah. Uh, we thought we had a model that worked really well. We've got 100% vaccinated staff, 100% vaccinated guests in our in our restaurants. And according to the... Well, we don't, well hang on, hang on, hang on. We don't... Friday, Hang on, we don't have 100% vaccinated staff, do we? And that's not a rule. Uh, for, it's not a rule, but for the most part, uh, that is the reality out there. Is uh, most of the restaurant staff, uh, certainly that I'm aware of, are all vaccinated as well. So, okay. uh, you know, they don't have a, they don't have a restriction or or uh, an order uh, saying that they have to be vaccinated. In fact, the opposite. But uh, you yeah. know, just uh, through uh, good business practices, I think most of the staff are, are vaccinated as well. So. I guess a lot of our members would question, you know, why the about face? Why not just make these restrictions, you know, in the first place so we know what we're dealing with here? Uh, and then I guess the other thing besides new supports is, uh, you know, a lot of our members saying don't pile on additional costs at this time that we can least afford it. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, obviously there's a lot of concern out there, Mike. Yeah. Well, can you remind me, were, were there ever capacity limits in restaurants previously in the pandemic? Certainly, there was uh, at the initial outset of the pandemic. Obviously, you know there were there, there was a lockdown. There were the fifty uh, percent. Uh, well, it works out to fifty percent capacity. It was yeah. uh, you know you have to have a flex belly, the two meter distancing between tables, or the flexiglass. Uh, so those rules were in place. We've also had liquor restrictions for for a lot of uh, the last two years, where you couldn't yeah. serve liquor past uh, ten o'clock and. And uh, the industry just doesn't want any surprises at the last minute, and uh, especially during this busy, busy time of year. Okay, so you don't know what's coming. Obviously, they have not briefed you at this point of what they're going to announce. No, they have not briefed us yet, but there is a briefing later this morning. Okay, all right. Speaking of Mark Von Schellwitz, Restaurants Canada, you mentioned that you know, restaurants have already been through a tough time. You were hoping that you'd have some certainty here, at least through the Christmas, New Year's period. Now there's uncertainty today and a lot of concern about what could be announced this afternoon can you talk a little bit about the call for more supports because you're you've issued a, a call for look if you're going to do this to us help us through this like we need more government support like are there any support programs still out there right now that you can access or do you need why do you need more well yeah i mean if you remember mike uh, when the sues and sirs programs finished off in october and we had about 90 percent of our industry that was utilizing those supports uh they actually canceled those and they came out with this new tourism hospitality recovery program but the qualification criteria for that is you had to have 40 percent losses and most of our members here in bc are losing between 15 and 40 percent still now and of course for those that are under that 40 percent threshold there's nothing there so we've gone from 90 percent of the industry qualifying for those supports down to 20 percent of the industry qualifying and so those would have to change and of course we've had no 
uh, provincial supports here for quite some time. And really what businesses want is they just want to get back to normal operations. They don't want to get into the situation, but, uh, you know, when their survival is at stake, you know, they're, they're going to need some, some help, uh, to get through this once again. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, very frustrating for many of them, just not knowing what the rules of the game are going forward. It makes it really difficult to plan your business going forward. Yeah, I can Im- I can imagine. Okay, we'll see what comes down here at one thirty this afternoon. That's when we anticipate that announcement to be made. Speaking to Mark von Shelwitz, Restaurants Canada. Mark, let me ask you about another topic here in British Columbia. The B.C. government now is extending the cap that it imposed earlier on fees charged by food delivery apps like DoorDash, Skip the Dishes, 15% is the cap on the fee that can be charged by these apps. Let me play a clip here for you from the Minister of Jobs here in British Columbia, Ravi Kalon, speaking earlier today to Jazz Johal, then I'll get your thoughts. 20% is maybe too high for some restaurants, but we tried to strike a balance to ensure that the companies that are providing the service can still make their profit. And, and restaurants can still survive. And, uh, you know, it's always hard to know if you've struck the right balance. I think we have, but we'll continue to monitor this in the, in the coming months and, and then consider what the next steps may be. Okay, so extending that cap on fees charged by these food delivery apps, are you happy with that? Yeah, obviously that's uh, the very good news because, as you know, the industry's changed forever since COVID. We had a number of restaurants that never even did take out the delivery before uh, COVID, but uh, now it's an incredibly important part of the sales mix of every restaurant. So when, you know, you're just uh, toying with it, doing a little bit of it before the pandemic, and then all of a sudden it becomes a major part of your sales, uh, you know, we have to make this a win-win situation. And what we were hearing from our members is we just can't make a buck on on delivery sales because of these 30% fees. So, uh, you know, we wanted to make this a win-win situation. And uh, we certainly appreciate the cap and the cap extension as, you know, uh, that is one, um, you know, at least on our delivery costs, we have some stability going forward here for the next year at an inflationary time when it seems like everything else is going up. Yeah, I know a lot of restaurants are frustrated with these apps, but is it kind of like either you do or die? You've got to go along with Skip the Dishes or DoorDash because a lot of customers are using these apps. And and if you're not on board with them, you're going to lose business. Is that fair to say? Oh, I think that's very fair. That's exactly it, Mike. It's sort of, uh, you know, you have to work with these folks. They're they're a necessary evil. I mean, many restaurants would love to do their own takeout delivery, but many aren't equipped to do so, and they certainly don't have that marketing reach that the third-party delivery uh, companies have. So uh, so it's an important part of uh, a restaurant delivery sales, and uh, we have to have a formula that, that works so both the uh, the third-party delivery companies and the restaurateur can make a profit out of it. If it's, uh, if it's not a win-win relationship, uh, you know, restaurants have to question why they're just trading dollars if they're selling these meals and not making any money off of it. Yeah, I mean, do restaurants continue to make their full profit margin when they when they get orders through, like, Skip the Dishes or DoorDash, or do they make less money overall? Oh, they definitely make less money. Uh, yeah. there, there's an interesting YouTube video where one of the chefs was comparing, well, listen, if you deliver, if you go through us for your takeout and delivery, here's what the cost is versus going through a third-party delivery company. They actually make some money when they're doing it themselves. Well, they were just trading dollars the other way around. So really appreciate Minister Kalon coming out with that extension. That 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 certainly helps. And uh, hopefully, eventually, the market will figure out that right balance where this can be a win-win situation between the delivery companies and the restauranters. 
Mark, thank you for coming on today. We'll see what goes down and what comes down the pike here this afternoon at one thirty. Appreciate your thoughts on it. Uh, my pleasure, Mike. Thanks. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk Christmas shopping now. We are definitely into the last-minute range. Uh, that includes myself. I expect to get out and buy a couple of things after show today. So I do tend to leave it late. I've been getting better on this, but this year has been a little bit tougher for me, so I will be doing some last-minute shopping. How much are Canadians spending on Christmas this year? Okay, check out some of these numbers. This is a brand-new survey here from the Accenture Consulting Company. Uh, According to this new survey, Canadians plan to spend an average of $635 this holiday season. That is actually an increase of 23% from the same survey last year. I'm surprised it's not more than that. $635. Now, adults with kids, and that's a different story. Could they spend more? Adults with kids, uh, they plan to spend $956 on average in Canada, so almost $1,000. Baby boomers, they got all the money. So, of course, they're spending more, $713 on average. It says here men plan to spend a little bit more than women at Christmas time. What about last-minute shoppers? According to the Rasmussen Report, men are more likely to be last-minute shoppers than women. Oh, what a shock. (laughs) What a shock there. Let's check in with Scott Hanna now, president and CEO of the Credit Counseling Society. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for coming on. Do any of those numbers surprise you? Like when I took a look at this Accenture survey about the amount of money that Canadians are spending this year, okay, average $635 per per. I guess that's per person. I guess that's a, quite a bit, but I don't know. What, what does that number say to you? Is that is that about in your wheelhouse, do you think? Is that what, what you expect? I, I'm surprised it isn't a little higher. Yeah, yeah, me too. Given the fact that people, for the most part, have been still cocooned to a large degree and you know judging by the the number of uh, amazon trucks and perlated trucks that go by uh for their packages i'm surprised it's not higher but uh, it's still an increase from from last year and um likely to go up the, you know, the incoming year given the fact that inflation is you know has is at a, a near an all-time high yeah adults with kids especially small kids also planning to spend more this year baby boomers of course a lot of baby boomers have got uh pent up wealth there and yeah they're spending some money what is your read of this christmas shopping market right now from from your perspective there at the credit counseling society like are people are people cranking up that credit card and spending a lot we're starting to see that i know a, a recent report from transunion of canada reflected that um uh, people are starting to spend more on credit cards for the first year and a half uh, during the pandemic. That wasn't the case. People were paying down their debt, but we're seeing a reverse of that, which doesn't surprise us as government benefits and, and creditor relief programs uh, lapse. People are going back to their old habits. Okay, what does that say to you as a credit counseling guy when people are, are increasing the balance they owe on those credit cards? That should be a red flag, right? It's a red flag. It just says that people are spending more than what's coming in. And, and that's okay if you do it for maybe for one month, perhaps two months. But if this becomes a habit yeah. and you're, you're spending more than what you earn on a monthly basis, it means at one point in time you're going to reach the point where it's difficult to meet your normal monthly expenses and pay your minimum payments on your credit obligations. 
Right. And did you say that uh, that appears to be a reversal of a trend we saw earlier in the pandemic where people were putting less on credit earlier, but now they're getting back into it? Correct. That's what uh, we're seeing. Huh. And so, you know, people were paying down because people had more money. They weren't they're working from home, so didn't have transportation, other work costs. And many people uh, received benefits under the CERB programs. And so people in many ways were actually better off uh, yeah. than they were pre-pandemic. Right. Speaking of Scott Hanna, President, CEO, Credit Counseling Society, um, when you take when you help out people and people come to you and they're they've got debt troubles, they've got problems. Is credit card debt? Is that the worst offender? I mean, like the the interest. How much is the typical interest rate on in a credit card right now? It's, it's running about twenty percent. And so okay, for a yeah. lot of people, what what the challenge is is that we've we've become accustomed to carrying a balance on our credit cards as opposed to using a credit card for convenience and safety. You know, if we, if we have a line of credit at a low interest rate that you can manage, that's a better choice if you have to carry debt. But carrying debt on a credit card is costly. And certainly when you're buying gifts and using credit and just paying your minimum payments, you're adding almost 50% more on top of the purchase price. So that discount you think you're getting just went out the window if you're, if you're carrying a balance. Yeah, because that interest rate really starts to bite if you carry that that balance forward. And I always laugh when I take a look at my credit card statement and it says, here's your minimum monthly payment. And it's always like, you know, 10 bucks. <laughs> they don't want you to pay it off. You know, they want you to carry that balance forward. Do they not? Well, half the people who have a credit card carry a balance each month and yet they have to pay it off. And so... That's why our government uh, mandated that credit card issuers had to reflect the length of time it would take a person to pay off their balance if they only paid the minimum payment each month. So it's, um, it's important that people take that into consideration. And while we always advocate that if you have to use a credit card at, at this time of the year because you just don't have the funds to hand to buy gifts and things, then give yourself a goal of, I'm only going to spend as much as I can afford to pay off in the first three months of next year. So you're giving yourself something to work towards as opposed to saying, I'm just going to spend and deal with it later and give up. Okay, that's an interesting rule there or an interesting piece of advice. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like when people are looking at their Christmas budget, um, and for a lot of people, I don't know, maybe they've already blown their budget by this point, but what is your recommendation on that? Like how much should people spend? I would encourage people not to spend more than what they can afford to pay off over the next three months or the first three months of 2022. Okay. And so, so having a look at your budget, thinking ahead, what areas could you scale back on a little bit? So to increase the payment. And so let's use the number of $600. So you've got interest at 20%. Uh, that's a minimum payment of $200 plus, let's say, let's say another $40 for interest. So it says, I should plan on paying $720 down on my credit card over the first three months of next year if I'm going to spend $600 this year at Christmas time on my credit card. Okay, what's a, um, rather than carry that balance forward on your credit card, what is a better option? If you've got a line of credit, make use of your line of credit. Yeah. It's a, but at the same time, because they have a minimum monthly payment strategy as well, it's important when you say, no, I need to pay off what I spent at Christmas time and keep a track of it. And that's why you always recommend that you use one form of credit only, whether it's a credit card or a line of credit, so you can track the purchases, you know how much you spent, 
and then how much you need to pay off to take care of it next year. Yeah, what's the typical interest rate on, a on let's, let's say, a bank line of credit these days? So it depends on some factors, whether you're a homeowner or not, your yeah. credit rating, but typically you're looking um, 8 to 10%. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, just do the math on it. I mean, you're better off paying 8% than 20%, right? You so, certainly are. You yeah. certainly are. And, and again, one of the best ways to minimize that is even at this late stage of the game, be looking for discounts. You can get coupons, everything else. Even if you're standing in line, looking, <laughs> looking at the bikes, have a look. Can I get a coupon for this item? Okay. Are there two-for-one deals? All those things help when, when trying to cut your costs. Right. Scott Hanna is my guest, president and CEO of the Credit Counseling Society. So we're into the last minute shopping here for sure, Scott. So let's talk a little bit about some of the shopping strategy. You've written some interesting columns on this, giving people advice. So when you hit the malls, you're out there, you're shopping. Like, you know, you've always recommended have a plan, make a list, uh, know exactly what you're going to do. Is that to avoid like an impulse purchase? It's, you know, it's always better to have a plan that says, this is what I, this is what I plan to buy and when I plan to buy it. And, and when you're going out, we always advocate, you know, eat at home, don't eat at the malls, because it'll, it'll save you money. You know, keep yourself hydrated um, and, and have a plan of attack. And don't plan on spending eight hours shopping. You get fatigued. Better to have two or three shopping trips, know what you're going to buy. And as you buy things, check them off the list and resist the temptation to say, oh, I, I'll just pick this up, this extra thing from someone else. No, you need to be disciplined and stick with yeah. your plan. Yeah, I like that advice. That's the way I try to approach it as well. I've always got a rule of thumb around this time of year. I like my, I like my shopping to be concise, precise, pinpoint. I know exactly what I'm going to get. I go and get it. I don't get anything else. I just got a plan. I got the plan in my mind, and I execute the plan. Now, some, sometimes things go wrong. Like sometimes you will, you will make a, a, a purchase that you didn't plan on. But you got to plan it out in advance. And that's, right? even, at this late, even at this late stage, Mike, you can do this. And, uh, yeah. and even t- in speaking with people you know who are in the same predicament, and if you're shopping for one person, maybe you go together and say, well, let's, let's pull some resources and get one nice gift as, to, as opposed to two, two gifts. Um, and really, when you're talking with older people, you know, the important thing to keep in mind is that none of us want someone to go into debt in order to buy me a Christmas gift this year. Yeah. Just spend time with me instead. I don't want you going into debt. And so it's important that we put that in perspective. Okay. I like that. I like that, too. What about online shopping versus shopping in a, a real brick-and-mortar store? It's interesting to look at this recent Accenture survey on this point as well. It says that more Canadian consumers were planning to do a lot of their shopping in store this year. That has actually gone up, but it's still pretty much down, pretty close to down the middle. 57% of shoppers planning to shop in store primarily, 43% saying mostly online. I imagine kind of online shopping is it's almost too late for that now. Your thoughts? It's, uh, it's, it's difficult because now you put yourself under the pressure. Will I get it in time? Yeah. Because all, all online stores are busy. So there's no guarantee. And that's just added stress. And so at this stage of the game, going to a brick and mortar location is probably your best uh, chance of actually getting something. And I think for a lot of people, too, the reason why it's gone up this year is that we've been housebound. And so getting out in amongst other people, albeit with a mask and being careful, just feels, feels good being around people again. 
and, right. and supporting small businesses. How about um, gift cards, which may be a more and more popular option, especially with some of the supply chain disruptions that we've seen? So if people get out, they can't find the item they want. So maybe the gift card is the fallback option. Is that a good idea, or are there sort of hidden pitfalls there too? Well, a gift card is, is a good idea if you know the person is going to use that gift card for sure. But if you're planning on giving someone, let's say, a $50 gift card, and you hope you use, they use it, maybe as an alternative, you give them a $50 e-transfer instead, or, or a card with $50 inside of it, because you know they'll use the $50. And they don't have to use it at one particular retail outlet. So it's um, uh, at this stage of the game, it's an option for some if they're going to use it. Uh, but a simpler method may just be a card, a card with some cash inside. <laughs> just, so just give cash. It's, just, well, for lo- it's always for a good old, option. It is, especially with older kids, because you don't yeah. know what they always want, and half the time you take the things back. So make it easy for yourself and easy for them. Yeah, and who, who doesn't appreciate a gift of cash? Come on. Let's, let's be honest with it, about it here. People love cash. Well, okay. even for, yeah, even for grandparents may say, what do I give my grandkids? Perhaps you give them a contribution to their registered education savings plan and a, and a book or something on top of that. Because you know that they're going to use it, and that with the price of a post-secondary school now, nowadays, every dollar counts. All right, welcome back. Talking last-minute Christmas shopping with my guest, Scott Hanna, from the Credit Counseling Society. Let's go to your phone calls and see what you think. Robert in Coquitlam. Hi, Robert. Hey, how you doing? Good, go ahead. Uh, good. Uh, I haven't heard anybody say, why are people spending so much in the first place? The whole idea of Christmas has gone just totally over the top. People are afraid to say they can't afford something, and they're just overbuying. That's really what the problem is. Well, I think, I think, I think you could be right. I think you could be right for a lot of people in a lot of circumstances. And, Scott, do you have any thoughts on that? I think the caller makes uh, a very good point. And for a lot of people, it's the fact that they're, they've always done this, so they keep doing it, as opposed to saying, what can they afford to do? And it takes a bit of courage for someone in the family to say, can we stop doing this? Yeah. I, know, I know in our own, our own extended family, where we used to buy a gift for everyone, and we made the decision, no, let's just choose one person to buy a gift for. Right. And you know, initially, they thought, they were saying, hey, you're being a bit of a Scrooge. And then I asked them, well, can you tell me what you got us last year? <laughs> and they yeah. couldn't. Yeah. And, so, and so really, it's, what we do remember is the fact is we got together. We had some laughs. We shared a great meal. Yeah. And that's what we remember about Christmas as opposed to what did I get. Right, right so on. Be, so I support what the caller is saying. It's all about being consistent um, and, not, and not falling for the hype. And let's face it, with social media nowadays mm. and what people are showing, there's a lot of pressure to, to spend. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is a lot of pressure for sure. Andrew on the line, Kamloops. Hi, Andrew. we got about a minute left here. Go ahead. Yeah, real fast. I have uh, teenage kids, and I don't buy kids' clothes in the kids' section anymore. And to save yourself 7% every time and not give it to the government, be sure that you ask for the tax-free uh, PSD exempt for kids' stuff. Uh, it saves you 7%, and uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Right. Is that still is that still the case, Scott, as, as you understand it? Like if you if you say you're buying for a child, you can get that rebate? Yeah. If they're under the age of fifteen, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a re- really good reminder. And do they ask you for do they ask you for ID of your kids? 
Andrew? No, not for the kids. They'll ask you yeah. for the ID. And it doesn't even have to be your kids sometimes. You can say that you're buying it for your niece. They just want your name and address. The store doesn't care. It just goes to the government anyway. Yeah, right. Andrew, good tip, man. Thank you for that. Thanks for calling in. Uh, thank you, Scott, for coming on today. Best of the season to you. Thanks for doing this. You too. Take care. Okay, here we go now with the debate we have every year at this time. What is the best Christmas movie of all time what is your favorite christmas movie ever and producer tim french getting a little vote in there early for a charlie brown christmas there i know that's his favorite this time of year with the great music there okay let's discuss now we got an awesome guest for you kurt smaycall he's a film critic and podcast host and he's our movie expert i'm pleased to welcome him back to the show hey kurt hey mike how's it going it's going great thanks a lot for doing this this is always a fun conversation and you've assembled a list of uh, films that you think are great Christmas movies. And let's go over these because this is a great list you've put together because you've got some real beloved classics here, uh, but you've also got a few surprises. So let's start with uh, right at the top here, Kurt, and we'll go with maybe the number one for a lot of people on their list. It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart. We've got a little bit of the trailer here. Let's have a listen. That's right. That's right. Okay, it's a tearjerker for sure. That final <laughs> scene there. Okay, Kurt, why did why is this one on your list to state to ask the obvious question? I mean, this is a timeless classic. This is a movie that I think everybody needs to have watched at least once, if not multiple times. Uh, every Christmas, my family puts it on, and we always uh, watch it and enjoy it. And I think it's just one that's got such a great message. And one that uh, no matter how old you are or how many times you've seen it, you're going to keep getting uh, value out of watching it every single time. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart, awesome performance, uh, directed by Frank, Frank Capra, the great director. I, I, I read some interesting articles about how the FBI at one point thought that it was communist propaganda. Have you heard those stories? <laughs> I heard rumors about that. I don't know how yeah. true it is, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's interesting. I think, you know, uh, I, I like to think probably not, but uh, you never know. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart was a bit of a bit of a slight devil back in his day. Okay. Okay. That was during the, the Red Scare in the United States there. This was, uh, yeah, investigated for, it was a real commie uh, conspiracy there, but obviously an awesome, uh, wonderful movie. Okay. Mm. The Night Before. Let's play a little uh, listen to part of that trailer here. Gentlemen, 14 years ago to this very night, I lost my parents. And you guys have been with me every single Christmas since then. You knew. But tonight, we have decided to end this tradition. Okay, Kurt, I haven't seen this one myself. It's a comedy, right? Yeah, so it's a relatively recent movie. It came out in 2015, but uh, it's uh, made by Seth Rogen and uh, a lot of his buddies over at Point Great Picture, so a bit of a Vancouver connection there. And yeah, it's uh, basically about some friends who, you know, they've they've got this Christmas tradition of kind of partying together and, you know, they're starting to drift apart. Things are getting a little more serious in their life. So they decide this is one final party that we're going to have. And it's a typical Seth Rogen movie. So there's a lot of raunchy humor. It's a little uh, maybe inappropriate for kids at times, but uh, it's one of those Christmas movies that a lot of people, myself included, have started to put on the rewatch list every Christmas just because it's a it's got a pretty good message, and it's a pretty good movie. I mean, the performances by Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, 
uh, and others that are, are just fantastic. So, yeah, it's definitely one that if you haven't seen before, I would definitely recommend putting on your list uh, Okay, for at least a, a watch this Christmas. All right, I'm going to add that one to my list for sure. Now, you've got a Christmas horror film on the list here, Krampus. Yes. Let's have a listen. Yes. St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? <laughs> His name is Krampus. Okay. All right. Tell me about this one. It doesn't sound that Christmassy. It sounds like fun, though. It actually, you know what? It's funny because I say this is probably one of the movies with the best Christmas message of all, which is to uh, just you know be kind to your family and to others. Which uh, it's wrapped around that of a of a horror movie, yes, but uh, good message at its core. No, this movie was directed by Michael Doherty, who did uh, another holiday themed horror movie called Trick or Treat, which a lot of people love. And yeah, Krampus is a movie that uh, it's. It's really well made. It's really funny. It's not overly scary. I mean, there are parts that are going to frighten people probably at times, but at its core, it's probably more primarily a comedy movie. But yeah, you got a great cast, including Am Scott, who most people know from Parks and Rec, Tony Collette, uh-huh. uh, and others. And yeah, it's just a great, it's just a great kind of horror comedy to put on during the holidays and it's maybe unconventional but i'm assuming most people have seen the regulars and are maybe looking for something a little different uh and if you're looking for something a little different i think krampus still kind of has a nice holiday message but also being probably a little bit different than what you're used to okay i love it something different yeah a christmas horror comedy krampus on uh, kurt's list okay the Day of the Beast. This is a Spanish-language film. This is another bit of an obscure choice for you here, Kurt. Let's listen to a bit of it. Padre, ¿podremos soportar esta cruz? Day of the Beast, a mm. Spanish black comedy. Tell me about this one. Yeah, so this movie is uh, probably, out of all of my choices, this one's probably the weirdest one, but I implore people to maybe stick with me on this one. Uh, it's about a, a heavy metal fan and a psychic and a priest who uh, basically discover that the Antichrist will be born on Christmas Day, and they go about trying to stop uh, the birth of the Antichrist. Uh, all around, of course, you know, taking place around the Christmas holidays. It's uh, It's a really funny movie. Uh, this is a movie that I've recommended to people that come back saying, like, I was laughing the entire way through. Um, so, yeah, you know, maybe against something a little unconventional. You're maybe used to see, you're watching your uh, Miracle on 34th Streets and your other movies like that. But maybe you want something a little different. Little uh, different. Day of the Beast is a little unconventional, but uh, yeah. it's one that I think a lot of people will end up walking away with a big smile on their face because it is just entertaining all the way through. Okay, we end with the eternal debate here now, the eternal controversy of whether this is a Christmas movie or not. I love it, and every year we have the fight about it. Die hard. Let's listen to it. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee guy. You just destroyed a building. I am in charge of this situation. Well, I got some bad news for you. Okay, I love it that this made the cut on your list. I love this movie. <laughs> I mean, come on, Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie, right? Sure. Uh, 
No, I mean, even the screenwriter and uh, the studio have both come out and formally acknowledged that, yes, in their eyes, it is a Christmas movie. So whenever, you know, maybe an aunt or uncle tells you that it's not a movie or not a Christmas movie, you can tell them, hey, you know what? The screenwriter and the studio have both said, yes, it is. So uh, we've got that on our side. But yeah, I mean, Die Hard is such a fun movie to watch. I mean, if you haven't seen Die Hard already, I mean... Uh, Who hasn't? Who hasn't seen it? Come on now. Uh, there, there can't be that many, right? I mean, yeah. if you haven't seen it, take the time to watch it this holiday season. Uh, yeah, again, maybe a bit of an unconventional choice for a Christmas movie, but you're going to be entertained the whole way through. I love it. I watch it every year, and I agree with you. It is a Christmas movie. It takes place on Christmas Eve. And uh, Bruce Willis's character, do you remember the name of his wife? Holly. Holly. Holly, right? name. Christmas yeah. name. Christmas name. <laughs> all right, welcome back to the show as we continue talking about the best Christmas movies of all time. My guest is Kurt Smakehall. He's a film critic and podcast host. He's our movie expert. Lots of calls on this one. Nick and Burnaby. Hi, Nick. What do you think? I got a toss up between two Home Alone and Scrooge. Yeah, yeah. Those okay. I thought, obviously. They're, they're absolutely amazing. Okay, I like them both. Kurt, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they're both great movies. Uh, you know, Scrooge and Home Alone are both classics, in my opinion. Uh, Scrooge, I think, uh, I mean, I always go back and rewatch that one every so often. That's got uh, Bill Murray and Karen Allen, and it's just a, a fun little movie. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have Bill Murray in the movie. And Home Alone, again, you've got uh, Macaulay Culkin. That one's such a classic. They tried to reboot it this year, and I don't think they uh, did that great of a job, honestly. But uh, the original is where it's at. If you're going to watch any Home Alone movie, you should watch the first one. Okay, Kelly on the line in Ladner. Hi, Kelly. Hi there. Uh, I just wanted to say um, it's got to be Christmas Vacation. It's just so funny, so relatable. My husband can put up one set of lights on the balcony, and he'll go, uh, I can relate to, what's this? Yeah, Chevy Chase. Yeah, I can relate to him, and he's put up like one set of lights because he's, <laughs> he's such a goof. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, Kelly, thank you for that. Well, let's squeeze in as many calls as we can here. Corey in Burnaby. Hi, Corey. What's your favorite? Uh, well, It's a Wonderful Life is my probably all-time favorite, but uh, we've been doing a tradition where we do four weeks before Christmas. We watch a different movie on Sunday nights. The family picks one. And uh, White Christmas was the other day, and uh, it was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. Okay, White Christmas. I like the Bing Crosby movies. I mean, you can't get more classic than that. Kurt, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's another great classic, too, if people haven't yeah. seen that already. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's just got such great songs in it that uh, if you haven't seen it, if anything, watch it for the songs. Uh, but, yeah, definitely a classic. Yeah, uh, Holiday Inn's another great uh, one with Der, Der Bingle, for sure. Ron and Burnaby. Hi, Ron, what's your favorite? Yeah, well, as I've been saying uh, all year long, Harvey. That's Jimmy Stewart's best movie. Is that a Christmas, uh, Christmas? movie, though? Yeah, Harvey? yeah, is it, it okay. is Christmas. It's kindness. Okay. All right. Kurt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would consider that a Christmas movie, but uh, uh, Harvey's definitely definitely a great movie. Uh, I think uh, that that bunny costume is uh, maybe one of the stuff of nightmares for some, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> still pretty okay, good I'm not, movie. I'm not sure I would put that down as a Christmas movie, though. Jackie in Kelowna. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Hi. Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, sure. And Home Alone, the first one. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we already talked about Home Alone, which I would that would make my top 10 for sure, maybe top 5. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, Kurt. 
Yeah, there's the two. Uh, there's the one that came out in the 90s and the original. Both are decent movies, although I would say the original is probably better, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I mean, another holiday classic that uh, if people haven't seen already, they should seek out. Okay, lots of calls coming in. Let's go to Colin and Langley. Hi, Colin. What's your favorite? Uh, it's it's got to be Elf. It's got to be the best one ever. I mean, come on. All the others pale towards Elf. It's the best one, the funniest one, the most Christmassy one going. Okay, Elf. Kurt. Yeah, Elf is one of those movies that I kind of find funny in that, you know, there's been a little bit of a push in the last few decades or a couple decades for more unconventional horror or uh, Christmas movies. And uh, Elf's kind of funny in that, you know, it's a very traditional movie where everyone else around him is trying to not be traditional. So it kind of works pretty well, I think. You know, anybody can enjoy that movie, uh, if anything, just for Will Ferrell alone. Yeah, great great movie for by Will Ferrell, for sure. And that's turned into a real classic as well. Lots of calls coming in. Brent and Victoria. Okay, Brent, what's your favorite? Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, it definitely has to be the Scrooge, the classic black and white version, Alistair Sim. Yeah, Alistair Sim and uh, Scrooge was the, was the, uh, the title of the film, right, Kurt? Yeah, yeah. I'm... I haven't seen that one before, so I'm a little, little stumped on that one. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the case. Yeah, yeah. For, for, I mean, this is, the, you know, the classic one where he plays Scrooge, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think it's uh, it's more based on the original original novel that came out in 1843 there. Yeah. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898, toll-free on your cell. Malcolm in North Van. Malcolm, what's your favorite? You've never seen the 1951 Alistair Sim classic? Oh, well, I know. That's Bad boy. Oh, yeah. come on. That is the that in the 1938 version. They're both black and white. Alistair Sim, the that is the. I won't watch any others. Those are the two. Yeah, and yeah. the Miracle on 34th Street, the original, is an excellent movie. It is mm. good. It is good for sure. Thank you, Malcolm, for that. Leslie yeah. in Burnaby. Hi, Leslie. What's your favorite? I got the two, and there's no way I'm gonna miss. The old Scrooge 1951 with Alistair Sim. Yeah. And yeah. the other one is Christopher Plummer, Sound of Music. Okay, Sound of Music. Kurt. Oh, yes. Yeah. Kurt. I mean, that's a movie that I think a lot of people don't consider a Christmas movie, but it is. So, yeah, I would definitely say it should be on the list for sure. Okay, Brenda in Abbotsford. Hi, Brenda. What's your favorite? A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story. <laughs> yeah, with Darren okay. McGavin and the red BB gun rifle. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's a that's a classic one too. Kurt, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I watched that one when I was younger. I haven't seen it recently, but uh yeah, I definitely remember that movie being a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it is a good one. That's a but we're hitting all the classics here. Ryan and Langley. Ryan, what do you say? Well, my all-time favorites are Elf and um, um, National Lampoon's Christmas, but yeah. an underrated one that everyone forgets about is Mixed Nuts. Mixed Nuts, okay. Yeah, with Steve Martin and Juliette Lewis, Liv Shriver, a lot of stars in it. Very underrated, hilarious Christmas movie. Okay, Kurt, what do you think? Yeah, uh, that's a fun movie with Steve Martin. Uh, if I recall correctly, he's managing a suicide prevention hotline. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I think it definitely starts off on a little bit of a precarious note. But uh, yeah, a uh, little bit of a dark comedy. So, uh, you know, if you kind of like those dark comedies, uh, some of my suggestions are right up that alley. Yeah. Chris in Vancouver, we got a minute left here. Chris, go ahead. Hey, yeah, it's a little on the raunchy side, but uh, our favorite in the house is Batter Santa with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. 
bat bad Santa or batter? Did you say batter Santa? Yeah, batter Santa. The that, director's cut. Oh, okay. oh, the director's cut. Okay, Kurt. Yeah, I mean that's another great one as well. Again, one of those unconventional Christmas movies. So, you know, maybe you're, you've watched all the classics and you're getting a little tired of them. You watch something different. That's always a classic to go to as well. 